today I did something that I haven't done in years. Food allergies can affect feeding. Well, anyway, I looked up the food allergy known as FPIES, food protein-induced enterocolitis syndrome, on Wikipedia. Do you know what I read? Just in the first two paragraphs alone, there was misinformation. First, the article said that FPIES is triggered by birch pollen. Second, the Wikipedia article went on to say that FPIES is a variant of oral allergy syndrome. Now, mind you, this was only in the first paragraph. Just in case you're curious, no, F-Pies is not triggered by birch pollen, and no, F-Pies is not a variant of oral allergy syndrome. For me, these statements, especially the second one about F-Pies being a variant of oral allergy syndrome, are so surprising and unexpected. It's like saying that snow is made out of cookies. It's like saying that the earth is flat when we all know that our planet is a sphere. I was shocked by the degree of misinformation. I was shocked about how wrong I was, and then I remembered that Wikipedia actually says this about itself. Wikipedia is not a reliable source. You never know who is editing the material. They are right. What a true statement. Thanks for the reminder, Wikipedia. You never know who is editing the material. In my head, I had thought that Wikipedia is an encyclopedia with a team of individuals who validate the information. Even if Wikipedia did not have a team, I thought that a big-name allergist in the field of food allergies had looked at what was written about this diagnosis, corrected any misinformation, and had no other additional inaccurate edits done afterwards. I was wrong. I was so wrong. I was shocked because of how wrong I was and how correct Wikipedia was in its statement that it might not be the most reliable source. Now, imagine if you're a person who has relied on Wikipedia for your medical information. Gosh, this just couldn't be. And I went ahead and fixed the article. I'm glad that I was able to go through the article and correct parts of it, at least for the time being, until other individuals make other edits. I'm okay with how the new Wikipedia article about FPIES looks at this moment. However, who is to say how long the article will stay accurate? After all, anyone can go ahead and edit the information after me. This experience got me thinking about how people look for information. You tell me, have you looked at your or your child's various symptoms and turned to an online search engine like Google? Have you tried to look at Wikipedia and learn about potential medical diagnosis there? It's okay. I have been guilty of that too. I've used Wikipedia to look up what elderberry looks like after learning that it can contribute to a cytokine storm in someone exposed to COVID-19. I didn't want to take anything that could potentially increase my chances of a cytokine storm. Hence, I wanted to be pretty sure that I knew how to identify elderberry. And let me tell you, there aren't enough pictures. According to the few pictures that I found, elderberry looks somewhat like a raisin, or does it? I'm Dr. Evka. I'm a physician and a mom to a young child who fed reluctantly. I remember feeling so scared and so alone as it was hard for me to find the answers to my child's feeding difficulties and to improve the feeding. Fast forward past many doctor's visits, lots of reading, multiple certifications on various aspects of feeding, and many feeding therapy sessions with me as the mom. You will see a mom and a child that has come a long way in the feeding department. Life feels so much less scary. I have so much powerful knowledge regarding early childhood feeding. Feeding has become easier, and I have more of my life back. I created this Feeding Made Easy podcast as I want you to have actionable, 
simple step-by-step strategies so that you don't have to feel as scared or as alone as I once did. If you have some questions about nutrition and picky eating, if you have a young child with lots of symptoms, but no good solutions regarding why feeding seems more difficult than you would expect, if you have a diagnosis but do not know where to get more good, actionable, step-by-step information, you're in the right place. Let's get learning. Just remember that this material is for educational purposes only. I'm not your doctor. If you or your child have specific medical concerns, please see your doctor. This is going to be a two-part episode. You're going to get part one this week and then part two next week. Both parts are going to be entitled Doctor Internet and Misinformation. This is Doctor Internet and Misinformation, part one. Many of us use the internet all day long. I'm sure that many of us have tried to find all kinds of information through Wikipedia and other medical websites. The internet seems so exhaustive. There's so much information. The information is right there, but it might not be correct. What should be using instead? Where are some other places online to look for information? Online search engines and online encyclopedias like Wikipedia contain a great deal of information. That's great. Who doesn't want to have a lot of information at their fingertips? The problem is that these places might not be medically accurate. You really need to read about the source of the writing. Is it someone with a doctoral level degree in medicine or science? Is it a doctor who's writing the article? In this episode, I will share with you three different places where I like to look for information. Are you listening? Get a piece of paper and a pencil. This is important. Follow along in my website, allergyhandbook.com. This episode is entitled Doctor Internet and Misinformation. In fact, going to my website, feedinghandbook.com, may be a good idea for you because I've included a freebie at the end of this episode. However, you need to scroll down to the end of the webpage so you, you can find it, and it's going to be a surprise. But if you go on that webpage, on feedinghandbook.com, you'll find it. Are you ready? My three favorite places to look for medical information are as follows. And again, I am just going to give you all three of them, and then I'm going to go into them more deeply. Number one is the research papers themselves. Number two is the websites that end in .edu or in .gov. Number three is websites that end in .org. I'll explain why, so stay tuned. There's a lot of information to share about each one. Anyway, the first place to look is in the research papers themselves. Research papers often describe actual studies that were done on individuals who had a specific condition, a particular diagnosis, a specific treatment plan, or a certain set of symptoms. I like looking at the studies because a lot of the other information that you get from other places comes from these studies. In order to make statements in other forms of more credible media, the authors often go back to what the literature and the research studies showed. For instance, what happened to a group of individuals with a certain set of symptoms who were followed over time? However, research articles are not without their faults. One of the problems with research articles is that they might only touch upon a specific topic in a particular field. They may not go over everything that there is to know about the subject. To get a broader idea of the subject material as a whole, you want to look at multiple articles. 
you want to look at similar articles within the same field because sometimes one study done in a similar way can have very different results from another one. There are population differences. There are differences among people. Just because one research article says something doesn't mean that all research articles will say the same thing. You kind of want to look at it collectively. Another one of the problems with research articles is that they tend to use medical speak and not everybody understands the medical speak. I like to use the analogy of going to get my car repaired at the mechanic. The mechanic tells me about what's going on with my car, but uses terms that I don't quite understand. Some terms that car mechanics use that seem confusing to me include words like buffing it right out, dab of opo, gas can, banger, and turbo lag. For car mechanics, these terms probably make a lot of sense, but for someone like me, they don't make any sense at all. Well, it's the same thing. When you look at these research papers, they often use words that, that might not be commonly used in everyday language. That's why a lot of people turn to other places to look for their medical information because these other places use words that are more understandable. Looking directly at the research papers may not be for everyone. That's why I'm going to now discuss the second place where I look for data. These are websites that end in .edu and then .gov. Most of us do look online for our medical information, so we want to go to places that are more likely to be accurate. When you look at a website that ends with .edu, you're usually looking at some kind of place of education. Places to start with .edu could be places like hospitals that teach medical personnel, nurses, medical residents, and so on. For instance, the big name hospital called the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia can be found online at chop.edu. Yep, it's right there, the edu at the end of it. Other places that use edu at the very end include universities and colleges that are into research and want to disseminate some of their studies in the general public. Same thing with websites that end in .gov. It's generally assumed that the main goal of these .gov websites is government collection and then publication of the information to the public. I do believe that if the information is coming from an edu or a .gov website, it's more likely that the information has been read by multiple people or has been written by multiple people who are knowledgeable in the field and are using their expertise to share information with others. This may not always be the case, but it's for me, it's a generality. Thus, so far, we've talked about two places to look for information about a particular medical condition. The first place is the research papers themselves. The second place is websites the end in .edu and .gov. Do you have a sense of what the third place may be? Any sense? The third place is actually websites that end with .org. In the past, .org was used predominantly by nonprofit organizations whose hope was to advocate and spread awareness. More recently, though, .org has been used by other institutions, but many websites that end in .org are still found foundations and charities. For instance, since we started this talk about a type of food allergy called FPIES, both the uh, FPIES Foundation and the International FPIES Association uh, have websites that end in .org. Again, every website has to be evaluated on its own merits, so I'm speaking in generalities. 
Thus, we have three places where you can gather information. Now, you can get a sense of some internet addresses that might not be so helpful. Do you want to get a sense of which internet addresses might not necessarily be as good? Of course, you should probably scrutinize every website, but probably the ones that you need to worry about the most and in .com, .net, .info, and so on. This information on there might not be coming from reliable sources. In these cases, you might want to pay attention to the author. Who wrote the post? Was it somebody who would otherwise not be known to you? Was it a physician or a well-known doctor-level researcher? Articles written by these different sources may be quite different from each other. If you're looking at the website that ends in .com and are looking into food allergies, you might want to figure out who the author is. Is the article written by someone who is a registered dietitian, who's a doctor, who's an advanced medical practitioner, or who is an established researcher in a field? Speaking in generalities, that information may carry a higher level of accuracy. As a bonus, I want you to think about one more thing when it comes to medical websites. What about the age of the written article? So many things are advancing so quickly in the field of medicine. Some things are advancing slower than others, but as a whole, generally speaking, many people think that research in medicine is now advancing at a much more rapid pace than it did a century ago. In addition, medical information that is 5 or 10 years old might already be outdated. It might not be, but it might. It truly depends. However, as a rule, I like to look especially at more recent articles. So here you are. You now have some idea of where you can get medical information. All right. Now go get your free items at feedinghandbook.com. Also, please tell me if you would like to be on my podcast or if you would like me to be on yours. Just let me know in the work with me section at the feedinghandbook.com website. Would love to have your input. If you want to subscribe to the weekly Feeding Made Easy podcast and get notifications of when they will come, also let me know. Again, go to the feedinghandbook.com website under the work with me section. Thank you for spending another moment with me. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'll see you next week. I'll be here and I'm looking forward to our next interaction. This is Dr. Evka and the Feeding Made Easy podcast.